Welcome to the Brood Life Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Hall. So grab a cup of coffee, plug in your headphones, and let's have a conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Brood Life, and I am back for another episode, and we're talking about overcoming obstacles and pushing through obstacles and challenges in our life, and I'm excited to have my friend Justin with us today, and we're going to be talking about a lot of obstacles he may have faced, and I'm going to be talking about his movie, Uh, but before we get started, I'm going to hand it over to him and give him an opportunity to introduce himself to you. Hello, how you doing out there? My name is Justin McAleese. I'm a filmmaker out of Fresno, California, and I recently completed an 11-year journey on a movie called Brick Madness. Awesome. So speaking of that, uh, before we get started and talking about it, why don't you just kind of give us an overview of like w- what this movie is about and, and uh, what kind of people can expect from it? Yeah, totally. It's a mockumentary, a comedy. It's uh, 99 minutes long, and it's about a national Lego tournament, essentially. Uh, In our world, we call them bricks. So B-R-I-X, they're called bricks. And uh, yeah, we watch a number of characters, one of which is me. And we it's a very, just a really great ensemble cast of like a bunch of sort of nerds or geeks or whatever you want to call them that are super into Lego and really love that thing. And it's the most important thing in the world to them. And they all compete at this yearly tournament called Brickathon. And so they get together and see who's the best. And it's a no holds barred, big deal situation for them. And sort of on the outside, there's this uh, filmmaking crew that came in, a guy named Cedric Donovan, who's uh, in our world, he's a famous documentarian, someone you might think of like, uh, uh, what's his name? Michael, uh, I can't believe I can't remember. Oh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, something like that in terms of, I'm not a super big fan of Michael Moore, but he's in his own movies and you're like aware of who he is and that, that sort of thing. So it's, it sort of runs in that sort of vein. And yeah, so they're putting together this mockumentary about these people who are really into bricks and really into this tournament. And I'm uh, just super stoked about all the performances that uh, these really funny people put into it and made a fun movie. Awesome. And uh and having watched the movie, I, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I, re- I actually did really enjoy the characters, especially. I thought uh, I find myself laughing and getting involved in the storyline. So I really enjoyed the movie. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's it's hopefully a welcome um, departure from everything we deal with in sure. 2020. And there's no politics. There is no, um, there's certainly no pandemic although one of the characters does wear a mask and he's, he's quite prescient at the time we did this eight nine years ago or she eight years ago or shooting that scene or a number of scenes but um but yeah it i i hope it's a good escape for people and to just get back to sort of like your childhood wonder of just like playing with these things and creating a world and making something out of nothing you know that's that's what lego can do and that's what bricks can do and that's what art can do yeah. So what what kind of was like your inspiration behind making this movie? What inspired you to cover this, like this brick world and this competition and, and these characters? 
Yeah, oddly enough, it was um yeah, this this is the goofy part of the story. So it was like in 2009 we were on set of another movie, local home movie here in Fresno, and it was like a big deal and and things were um I would say they were taking longer than we were used to having done a lot of indie stuff and just making little projects here and there and this was like a big movie to us and so uh, not Break Madness, a different movie. And on the crew we felt like we had more downtime than we were supposed to have and we're like we could we could make a movie just in the downtime on this movie or like we should go show them all we'll make a movie like after this movie wraps in a month from now we'll, we'll shoot a movie and we'll have it out before this movie's even done it'll be awesome it'll take us like six months tops you know uh from uh, birth to grave and uh that totally didn't happen at all we were wrong and it ballooned and got bigger and was this ridiculous uh behemoth of a movie which turned into brick madness 11 years later so yeah, we learned our lesson, but it it started as as sort of a some chutzpah with uh, being able to put a movie together. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like we've been talking about obstacles and challenges, and you have referenced uh, the length of time it took to get this sure. movie from start to finish. What were some of those obstacles that you faced with in this process of of making this film and getting it out to everybody, and how did you push through those obstacles? It's it's a marathon for sure. Within the movie, there's the thing called the brickathon, and the idea of that is like it's a 24-hour build. So you, as a brick builder, you are sitting there as one of the finalists, and that's all you do for as much time as you can spend in 24 hours, right? And we this is many, many, many more hours. The Malcolm Gladwell talks about you know if you could spend 10,000 hours at something to become an expert at it. I am definitely an expert several times over at my movie because I've spent far more than 10,000 hours working on this movie. Um, it's just a number of things that if it's not like trying to re-engineer what you were doing so that you can accomplish something better, if it's not trying to produce it, which means you've got to get your actors and your locations and your, your people. And a lot of it too is like, I think with anything that you're, I don't know about anything. I don't know how much, I don't know how other types of art or other types of projects work, but in movies, you know, they have a thing called packaging and packaging is a complicated process and it happens in a different way, depending on what level you're doing of a movie. And in my world, it is like, we're trying to get a little of, a of attention and make some stuff so that we can get some money. And then when we get some money, then maybe we can try to figure out some distribution and simultaneously try to get some actors in it. So some, some names or some faces, some people, some, you know, actors, people know. So you're always going through this weird process of trying to get a, so that you can get B so that you can get C so that you can get B so that you can get a, and they're all very intertwined and you can't get any without the other. It's just big chicken and egg paradox. And that's what all movies sort of go through. And being that this is my first time doing like that process, I've made tons of other projects and movies and all these other things, but this was the hardest part of that process. And not only does that happen packaging in the beginning when you're trying to make the movie in the first place, but it also happens sort of during distribution because you're trying to get some notoriety so that you can get a good distributor, but you can't get a distributor. You can't get notoriety. You can't get write-ups and stuff like that without having a distributor. And then you can't get good uh, marketing materials without having either of those things. So it's like a very chicken and egg thing 
again. And I would say a lot of the problem was me not pulling the trigger a little sooner or just hoping or not wanting to bother people or like giving it another week so many times of like just hoping and praying that it would turn out a little bit better than it did or however it went down. So that's, there's a lot of other reasons, but I would say a lot of it's that a lot of chicken and egg things that I sort of let lie longer than they should have. So go, like going through that process and now you're kind of on the, the other side of this. Yeah. What is like something or maybe a few things that, uh, that you feel have impacted you and like maybe changed the way that you do things or have changed the way that, uh, as you as a filmmaker or whatever, like has this process helped turn you into a, a better filmmaker or impacted your life uh, in, a, in a certain way? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, it's obviously had a huge impact on my life just in general. Like I've literally been working on this movie half of my adult life in terms of years <laughs> and all that. So, I mean, that's a lot. I'm 41 and uh, it's been going since 2009. So, so just sheer amount of time and, and mental energy spent on it is you know monumental it's just it's like always in the back of my mind I, I i told someone one time i was like i have jet skis i've never i like i use them once every two years because every time i'm gonna go out on jet skis i'm like eh, i should be working on the movie and so i don't <laughs> do it and so i mean it's just always there omnipresent um but in terms of so that would lead me to what i some of my lessons and some of the lessons would be like you know situations are probably not markedly going to change tomorrow or next week or next month if they haven't already. I mean, like you're kind of in a situation you are and you can fix it certainly, but just like the diminishing returns are absolutely there. It's not, if you wait a month, it's not going to get better than if you waited a week. And if you wait six months, it's probably not going to get better than if you waited a month. So like, do what you can do, put in the time, put in the effort, put yourself in the best position to get lucky. And then if you don't get lucky, then you move on. And I think I could have definitely heeded that advice a little bit better. And also I think it's, it might be a little microcosm. I may be over speaking the point here, but it might be a microcosm of like, when you're a kid, you think that all adults have it figured out. And I think there's something to be said about that. It's like, when you're a filmmaker, you think that the bigger filmmakers have it all figured out or that the, the, the filmmaking um, business has it figured out and that the other distributors and other uh, marketers and in the, the major studios and all that, like, I don't think any of them have it figured out in a lot of ways. Like they're all just throwing stuff up against the wall and they're trying to make a buck and they don't necessarily get a chance to make the movies that they want. And so that's, um, you need to be grateful for that situation you're in and try to get it out to people and try to see if you can garner some hits and then go on and make the next one. I mean, don't hobble your project, make it as good as you can, but don't belabor the point either. So I don't know. Th those are some things. I mean, just knowing that not everyone else has a plan and that that stuff changes rapidly and has changed rapidly over the last say five years or whatever, like movie distribution is so much different than it was sure. that, you know, you never know where you are, where you stand. So you gotta, you gotta do what you can, when you can, as fast as you can, in the best way you can, and move on. So, it's like, say somebody is listening to this conversation, and maybe yeah. they're in the film industry, maybe they're in just in something completely different, but they're working through something, uh, obstacle, challenge. Maybe it's something that they, in the same way, like 
been coming at it over and over and over again for a long period of time. What did, what advice would you have for somebody that may be in that same or similar situation? Yeah. Um, you know, some things that helped me along the way. And I, I find that in life, this isn't in, is very true. It's like, you can, you know, January 1st is coming up here. Probably ours already happened by the time anyone listens to this. And, you know, when you set your, um, when you set your new year's resolutions and all that stuff, you get excited about that and you hope, but like really the first week doesn't matter. The second week doesn't matter. The third week probably doesn't matter. Still. It's like two months from then that's when it starts to matter. And then for a couple months, maybe you don't do that thing that you were going to do like flossing, let's say like you floss your teeth every day for a couple of months. And then you sort of get out of it. You have to start it again. And then you don't, and then you have to start it again. And that's actually the hard part. And that's what I had to do a number of times. And I had to bargain with myself in a number of different ways because I didn't know anyone money. There was no, there were my friends and family were waiting for the movie to be done, but I didn't, no one was going to, you know, break my thumbs if I didn't finish it. And so that's actually like not a great situation to be in. And sometimes when you own a full, when you run a business, co-run a business and it's like a hard, you're, you're already working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So my point is you got to make, um, you got to make rules for yourself sometimes and be like, no matter what. And I went in and out of doing this. So if like, I'm going to work for an hour on Rick Mattis every day, no matter what. And it doesn't even matter what I do necessarily. It's the fact that I show up and I do it and I get something done because some days I'll work for three hours or four or five and other days I'll only get in my hour, but that's enough for now. And, and that really helped me. The other thing I would say, which is a key thing to why I got the, um, the premiere, the local, you know, uh, theatrical screenings done was I literally just paid for the, the, um, theater. I paid for the theater. And if I didn't show up with a movie, then there was going to be 200 disappointed people there. And I had no choice, but to get it done. And so I just did. And it worked out and I don't, I wouldn't have gotten it done in that amount of time if I hadn't set that artificial, but very dire situation for myself if I failed. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Um, I, now that you are like through this and, and the, the movie is out, what do you have anything else that you're working on that's in the pipeline now, or are you taking a break or what does, what does life look like right now? I am, you know, I took three days off or so uh, the movie <laughs> came out on the, the movie came out on the 22nd. So just a couple days before Christmas. Right. Um, on Amazon. It has been out on the distributor's website, little sister, uh, ENT dot, dot shop. <laughs> um, it's been out on there for, um, about a month now, I guess a little, little, a little over a month now. So my point is I've been promoting it all the time on socials and literally emailing every single person I know that would like have any tangential memory of me, memory of me whatsoever. <laughs> like I'm emailing and messaging and, um, and messenger and, and uh, sending, uh, text messages and everything to everyone I can remember Be- because I've like, you know, maybe I mentioned to it to them one time, if they tell me to F off, then fine. Like, okay. I don't, I haven't talked to you in six years anyway. What difference does it make <laughs> right. to me? If you watch my movie, sweet. If you don't, that's cool. Um, you know, so I've been going through that process or I'm starting to go through more. My point, what I was going to say is I took three days off because I didn't want to bother people on Christmas day or the <laughs> day before or the day after, but now I'm going to go right back into that. And I'm just going to keep bothering people. 
and um, what's the worst that can happen. So, so my job is not anywhere near over on brick madness. Sure. You know, I got to like paddle upstream for another six months or three months or until I feel like I've exhausted every person I can. And there's so many damn social networks too. That's like, you're doing stuff on Instagram, maybe on a couple different Instagram channels. Obviously there's Twitter, there's Facebook. I'm trying to put stuff on uh, Reddit. I mean, maybe I'll put stuff on Quora. Maybe I'll put stuff on, uh, you know, any of the other ones, that, whether it's Tumblr or Flickr or any of that type of stuff. If there's just so many ways to reach people that I feel like I'm not doing my job if I don't try. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for that because I get way overwhelmed just handling one or two social media uh, accounts. <laughs> yeah. It's so much. And it just, and it feels like a colossal circle jerk too. Like it's not fun for me in most cases because you just feel like you're like, Hey, like my sing thing and I'll like your thing and then watch my thing and I'll watch your thing. And like a lot of times <laughs> that doesn't actually happen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to email, you want to put up a post. It's like, Everyone give me $10 and I'll shut up about this or else I'll kill this bunny. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's a fake bunny. It's a stuffed bunny, but you know, it's like, can't we just get this over with? This is, this, this is elaborate charade where we all pretend to like each other's stuff, whether you do or don't. I just get burnt out on that stuff for sure. So for, for those listening and say they're interested, and I hope that they're interested in watching it and has my seal of approval for whatever that means, but yeah. uh, uh, what, uh, how can, outside of the movie, how can people find you specifically online if they have any questions or want to reach out or anything? Yeah, I, w I would say <laughs> don't feel weird about asking me questions. If you want to talk about my movie, oh, dear God, I will talk about my movie. <laughs> and so don't ever hold back on that. You can find me uh, on Facebook at Justin McAleese. I'm the only Justin McAleese in America, to my knowledge, and maybe the whole world. I don't know, but it's a pretty rare last name, the spelling-wise at least. So, yeah, you can find me. If you just type in my name, you'll find me. But I'm on at Justin Makes Movies on Instagram as well. You can hit me up there. And... um go to brickmadness.com. You can find out all about the movie on there. We are renovating that site and it's going to be better than ever here in a couple of days. Uh, but yeah, hit me up. You can find me and I would love to talk to anyone about it and, and answer questions about filmmaking. You know, I'm reaching out to you and, and talking on here because I want to be able to give back some of the knowledge that I've gained through this process. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, and then, like you said, the movie is available on Amazon Prime now. So if you want to go out and watch that, uh, they totally. can do that there. And again, um, uh, you know, like I told, I told you before we started recording, I, I watched it today and enjoyed it. And like, just thinking back on it, like, uh, it, like it, there was parts that were funny and, uh, you know, I was invested in the story all the way through the end. But uh, one of the things that I think I enjoyed the most is just like how, uh, just how human everybody felt in the movie. Like it just, it felt everybody felt relatable. Like the, it wasn't, it didn't feel like superficial or, or forced it, but I like all the characters felt uh, relatable and human and, and uh, it, like you, where you were invested in what was happening to them and in their stories. Yeah, that's a, that's a great compliment. I mean, and that's really what we're trying to do is, have things that could happen in real life, you know, just, you just want to amp them up. You want to take sure. something that's somewhat realistic and make it not over the top, but just make it a little, a little more movie-ish, a little more, 
entertaining and all that. And that's what we try to do. And we, you know, that's a testament to the actors. And that's a, I think a testament to the people's abilities, excuse me, not only our writers, but our, um, you know, cause we sort of wrote in, in groups and we did, um, I wrote a lot of the bones of it and a lot of the jokes and this and that, but a lot of the people that are in it also helped write it. And we're also doing improv at the same time. So maybe two thirds of the movie is written and one third of it is improvised within written scenes, theoretically, a lot of the interviews, you know, and and so I think that they were able to do just a remarkable job of, of being themselves in roles that were somewhat made for them. I mean, that's, that's the um, bonus you get by casting people in, in large, by and large that I, that, you know, very well. And you sort of understand there's a, we did a BTS clip with um one of the actors who plays max grand his name is alan agazarian and you know there's like a little bts thing of him saying like i don't know if i'm doing this right it just feels like i'm just being me and we're like yeah that's exactly what we we wrote the (laughs) thing so that you can be yourself man that's perfect just like amp it up a touch and you're there and yeah i'm just very thankful that and and someone else said a similar thing you know one of the other another podcast i did they were like i didn't I had to call it. There's two dudes on the podcast and he's like, I called him up and I said, this is a real movie, right? I was 45 minutes in or so half an hour in. And he's like, no dude, it's a made up thing. It's a mockumentary. It's not real. He's like, no, these are real people. I've totally met these people. This has, this is like a documentary. This is not, they didn't make these. And he's like, no man, it's all made up. He's like, damn it. I would, I swear to God. Yeah, it was fun. He was just very, very, uh, yeah. Effusive with that sort of praise. I take it as praise hundred percent. I yeah, think that's what we're yeah. trying to do, you know. And very cool. So uh one last question that I have, and I ask everybody that comes on the podcast because uh it's the brood life. So uh when you go out for coffee or when you can go out for coffee again, yeah, right. Uh what is your drink of choice when you go out? Um, that's a good question. Uh yeah, oh man. I I only like cold stuff sometimes, but when I like cold stuff. I definitely like a good cold brew. I mean, those are yep. great. Uh, I don't go in for too much of the sugary stuff, although I do love them. I, like, I, I get white mochas and I love white mochas, but um, they're chock full of sugar. Yeah. Uh, I made um, on, on Christmas night uh, at home, I made, I took some Swiss mist or whatever, some sort of generic off the shelf. And then I took some other like super specialty drinking chocolate. And then I took um, some you know, pure whipping cream and some uh, cinnamon and one other thing and put that all together and gave it to my parents for some hot chocolate and the little nightcap or whatever. And my wife and uh, my dad was really happy about that. So <laughs> I would say hot chocolate is definitely up there on the list. It's not quite, um, not quite the same as coffee, but, but yeah. And then we, you know, we, we do it at home with the, the pour over and all that stuff and yes. try to try to make it good uh, yes. depending on what it is. But yeah, I, I, you know, there's a million coffees out there. There's plenty of time to explore. I don't really yeah. like Starbucks. Starbucks is kind of, I mean, like just their default coffee sort of sucks, dude. I don't understand it that. It's a weird thing. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. I just don't get it. How does, how does the biggest company in the world that does what they do do a shitty job of it? Yeah. Well, I, I the, uh, and this is a, I don't know if this is an insider thing or not, but so I, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty, big coffee snob but uh mm-hmm. i i usually buy from a local roaster and sure. and use whole beans at home and grind them uh totally. 
but that is why Starbucks coffee tastes bad. Like usually people say it tastes burnt Correct. and is because in like these local uh, coffee roasters, like the one I get from I actually went there and I got to watch them like do the whole process and stuff. And, uh, but they roast in small batches. So they're, they are able to like control the temperature and keep an eye on it and stuff like that. But when Starbucks roast, they roast in these giant batches, cannot keep any eye on the temperature or whatever, and just roast it. And so they end up, burning yeah it's literally burnt beans <laughs> i mean so i don't weird. i can't verify that 100 percent, but that's what i've been sure. told <laughs> no i mean it makes sense the other the other thing that my wife attests to is she's like <clears throat> they make it bad on purpose so that you have to add extra stuff to it and so <laughs> everyone has a bunch of stuff with their coffee there you know <laughs> sugar and flavoring and yep. um, yeah, basically unpalatable without fixing it. Yep. Um, and I, I as a brilliant scheme, if that's what you want to do, more power <laughs> to you, Starbucks. Yeah, awesome. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, any other, I'd love to answer any other questions you sort of had about the movie, about how it was put together or any of that stuff. Yeah, no, like the, uh, I don't have any specific questions. I think that uh, I really encourage people to go out and, and watch it on Amazon. And uh, I think it's worth the time to spend to watch it. And uh, I really enjoyed it and uh, probably will watch it again. So it's uh, awesome, man. Thank yeah, you. I, re- I, re- I really enjoyed the movie. And uh, I mean, I didn't have any bad expectations or anything of it, but I, I didn't know what to expect. But I was uh, I was really enjoyed it. It was a good experience. It's always fun when you get, and I used to get this a lot more. I was actually going to post some on Facebook sort of around this idea, but it's a little hard to unpack is like you, um, the, I did a movie a long time ago, like 2001 or whatever. Um, not like 2001 in the year 2001, but, um, and, uh, you know, I, I definitely got some of those responses of like, wow, so you made this with a camera and you like edited all those <laughs> videos together. That's remarkable like that stuff like wow you made this car it only has three wheels and it's a total piece of crap but you that's an axle there huh wow way to go <laughs> yeah that was awful so um <laughs> i have gotten i haven't really gotten any responses like that about this movie of this, them just being enamored <laughs> with the idea that it's 99 minutes of video and audio synced. <laughs> so that's been good um but yeah 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 it's it is funny though sometimes you still do get like Oh, I didn't. Oh, this is like a real thing. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, it was. I didn't think it was going to suck, but I didn't think it was going to be great. I really liked it. So, oh, that area. Yeah. So they expect you to be like, well, the character from the movie that was always filming everything. What's the Wyatt? Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah. Wyatt Pocket. Yeah, exactly. Wyatt's version of Rick Madness. Man, that would have been rough. It's so hard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to give away the ending or whatever, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows? It was fun, man. I had a good time. We did a lot of world building. Yeah. And, and one thing I would say, like you've been praising it a lot, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. Anyone buys it out there you go pay your 10 bucks, watch it on Amazon. If you don't like it, all money back guarantee, I'll give you 10 bucks back. No problem at all. Just uh, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and I'll be happy to refund your $10 if you think my movie sucks. And if you do think it sucks, let me know. I would love to know why that'd be fine. That's awesome. That's a good, yeah. <laughs> good for you. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, again, anybody listening, go out to Amazon and uh, purchase this and give it a watch. Watch it with your family. It's family friendly. And uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it.
it says 16 plus i don't we're trying to get that remedied it's not 16 plus no I mean, there's no f-bombs they, they are they're bleeped no. that because of how it is and yeah they say a-hole once and shit twice or so like and that's it there's no sex there's no violence there's no anything even remotely anything else no. it's just like three cuss words sort of yeah so i would yeah. let my kids watch it for those listening i appreciate that <laughs> perfect well thanks a lot brandon this is awesome man yeah thank you Thanks again for listening to The Brood Life. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you got something out of it or you feel like somebody that you know may benefit from listening to today's conversation, please feel free to share this with them however is best for you. Email them, text them, share it on social media. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram uh, under The Brood Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please go out to your favorite podcast platform and make sure you subscribe rate and review thanks again for listening and we will see you on the next episode